Well, good morning. What a thrill it is to be here, particularly on this Harvest Celebration Sunday. Uh, we just want you to know that it is a tremendous privilege to be here. I also want you to know that I have asked your entire worship team to move to Arizona to teach, it, to sing at our church. What a fabulous job you guys did. Thank you so much. Well, they already said they were coming, so it's, it's too late. So, well, again, uh, we really appreciate the invitation to be here. Uh, Mark, your graciousness, and everybody here at BCC, it is just a tremendous privilege. And this morning, uh, Chris and I just want to share with you some of the things that God has laid on our hearts over many years, particularly around this whole topic of generosity, which fits in so beautifully with uh, what we see uh, this morning. So thanks again for the privilege uh, of having us. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Mark, thank you for, for having us. Um, I love Mark's heart. Just, you know, I saw your emotion about this, and it really is terrific. Mark is so proud of this church. I've known Mark for a few years now, and he's always just talking about how proud he is of BCC and the impact that you all are having on the city, and it's just amazing. Um, but as I look at this, and I see, it just it reminded me of Acts 2. Um, and at the end of Acts 2, it's the story of the early church in Jerusalem. And what happened was, the people sold their possessions and gave to those who had need. And uh, it doesn't give a lot of specifics, but what I see is people that went to the store and spent some of their hard-earned money to give to those who had need. But what follows that in that passage is very interesting, because... They enjoyed the, the believers at the time, it then says, enjoyed the favor of the people, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And to me, I think we talk about Harvest Weekend, and the idea of Harvest Weekend is, of course, coming harvest from the farms, right? And how many of you are farmers here? Yeah, I didn't think so. That's like my neighborhood. We don't have a lot of farms, okay? But, but you know, to me, the harvest isn't about the food. It's about the harvest that comes from it, because as believers help those in need, their hearts are opened up, and now they can hear the real food that they need, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, Mark said that the 9 o'clock service was real quiet, but the 11.15 was really the energetic one, but I'm not feeling that yet. Are you guys here? What's going on? There we go. All right. Well, um, it's church, right? And it's Sunday morning, so we're going to talk a little bit about God. Is that okay? Okay, there we go. Everybody's with me now. All right. Um, I was reflecting on God and who he is a while back, and there's many different attributes of God that we can focus on, but the one we're going to talk about this morning is generosity. You can't really consider God without recognizing the fact that he is a generous God. Everything we have comes from him. I'm, you know, I'm just a regular guy, but when I look back at my life and I think about so just some of the tremendous blessings in my life that weren't things that I planned necessarily, they weren't things that I expected but God has just blessed me. I have this beautiful wife that if she were here, you would say, how is it possible that she ended up with a guy like that? You know, and by the way, was, that is true. I'm married way up. True. Yeah. I'm married way out of my league, right? Uh, and I've got two terrific sons, and God has just blessed me, and I've been able to do some just cool things for the kingdom that I would not have imagined. And God is gracious, and he's seen me through some really difficult times, too. So he's blessed me. He's been very generous with me in a lot of different ways, but it, it occurred to me to me that I, if I want to become more like him, if I want to become a more godly man, if you want to become a more godly man or godly woman, we all have to learn to be more generous because that's how God is. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, 
is that if we strive to be generous, if we can just look a little bit more like what God has for us, I think we can live out his purpose for our life as a little bit better as well. So, Dave? Chris and I have spent many, many years on this whole topic of what the Bible says about money and our resources and how to use them. And uh, one of the things that we have found to be incredibly important is to understand three very important concepts that are biblically based around uh, this whole issue of how we use the, uh, the resources that God's given us. And those three terms would be stewardship, giving, and generosity. And the reason why it's important that we take some time to talk definitionally is because oftentimes those three terms are used interchangeably and they shouldn't be because they're all different. Um, understanding stewardship starts fundamentally with understanding who owns everything. God created everything and he never gave up the title to what he created. He's entrusted it to us as his stewards to use wisely and he would, as he would have us to use it. So that's the concept of being a steward and stewardship is simply living out that role of being a steward. Second one would be giving. And giving has a very simple definition to it. Giving is simply something that you release of value that's no longer in your possession. The simple act of no longer having something in your possession is giving. Generosity, however, is different. And it's different because giving is an act, but generosity is an attitude. Or it's a, it's a spirit within us which motivates us to express that generosity in different ways. See, true generosity always involves a sacrifice on the part of the giver by choosing to give up something of value to be able to benefit others. It's important that we know the difference between giving and generosity because you can give and not be generous, but you cannot be generous and not give. For example, in the Bible, you know the Pharisees were some of the best givers? And yet Jesus saved some of his greatest condemnation for them for many reasons, but for one reason is they were not generous. So they were givers, but they were not generous. And so uh, what we see is giving can be done in many forms, some positive, some negative, but true generosity always draws us closer to the heart of God because God, by his nature, is a generous God. So what we want to do this morning is we want to share six of the things we have learned over the years that we, that, that we kind of label the power of generosity and the dramatic impact that a spirit of generosity can make in our lives and the ability for us to leverage that generosity to make a difference in God's kingdom. You want to start us off? Yeah, why don't I take the first two? The first two, one, one is gratitude. It's a, generosity is a way to show our gratitude to God. And Dave talked about generosity really being an attitude, an attitude of the heart. Well, what if we had an attitude of gratitude? What if we were known as a people who are grateful for God all the time? And, and really being generous is a way of showing that gratitude to God, right? We can never repay, I mean, the, the most generous act that ever happened was God giving his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, who gave his life, his very life for us, so that we could be reconciled back to God. And we could never repay that, and he's not asking us to, thankfully. 
But one way to show our gratitude to God and the fact that we are thankful for what he has done for us is by, in effect, being generous with what he's given us in the first place. Um, and as I look around, you know, all these things that, that people brought, you, nothing here was given that God didn't first give us. Everything came from him, right? As Dave said, he even owns everything. So everything we give is just us giving back from what God has given us out of his abundance. So the second thing is that generosity is a very tangible way to honor God, to literally show honor and reverence to him. Proverbs 3.9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And since it's harvest weekend, that verse is particularly relevant, I think. But my guess here is that, you know, we, we, I asked you earlier if any farmers in the room, I didn't see a single hand. Um, I guess uh, Birmingham doesn't have a lot of farms right in the city area uh, too much. Um, but um, th- there's a story here behind this. In 2 Corinthians 8.19, Paul is explaining his mission, and he's, he's actually uh, talking to the church in Corinth, but he's actually expressing some information about what was happening. He was asking them to, to give an offering so that they could take it down to the church in Jerusalem, which was being persecuted. And he He says this, What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. So the idea was to to show compassion for the church in Jerusalem, to help them out because they were being persecuted, there was a lot of need. But what's interesting, it says to honor the Lord himself. So in both the Old and the New Testament, we have um, examples of where giving actually honors God and God recognizes it as such. So we often miss the opportunity, I think, um, that each one of us has sometimes to honor God. And these passages remind us that our, our generosity really is a God-centered way um, of giving and, and providing resources to those in need, and that provides honor to God himself. So, so the, the, the third one that we wanted to, uh, to kind of share with you is this idea that generosity opens the doors to God's blessing. Again, in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, as we, as we saw, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will bring brim over with new wine. And then another familiar passage in Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. What a picture. Food in my house. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? And then God says the only time in the entire Bible that he says this, he said, test me in this. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. But it is important to notice that this is not a give-to-get message. The motivation is not to acquire more by giving, but that that those who live with a generous spirit and a giving heart will experience God's blessings. Attitude is the key, because as we see in Proverbs 3, since first fruits actually represents a commitment to bring to God the first and best of our resources, which to a farmer resulted in the harvesting of his crops, and he took the very first of his harvest and the best of his harvest and gave it, gave it to God. Making God our highest priority, as expressed by our generous giving, opens the door of God's blessing. And the tragedy, the tragedy is that many will miss these blessings having never developed a generous spirit. 
You know, this is very consistent with Paul's message in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, where he says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will reap generously. And as much as that makes sense to us, sometimes we can't always completely understand God's math. When, you know, in this whole area of generosity sometimes is hard to understand. For example, in Proverbs 11:24, the word says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. What does not make sense to the rest of the world makes perfect sense to God. Those who live generously will prosper. And those who live selfishly risk losing everything that they have. Generosity opens the doors to God's blessing. The fourth thing is that God loves to watch his children practicing cheerful generosity. Um, we were just working out of 2 Corinthians 9, so let me continue that. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Think about that. When we express our generosity by giving cheerfully, it's actually something that God loves. It's like a father watching his kids being generous. Now, I, I have two boys. Now, they're a little bit older now, but I remember a time when one of my boys was probably 10 or 11 years old, and he came home from school, and my boys, um, you know, with me being a pastor and all, uh, you know, grew up learning how to tithe, and 10% of everything they got was given back to the church in the form of their tithe. But he came home from school and he said, Dad, I, I want to do something different. I, 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 one, of my, one of the teachers at our school is going on a mission trip down to Haiti and he's going to be helping the poor down there. And, and I would like to help support him. And I'd like to take some of the money that I put in my savings and I want to give it to him. And you know what I thought of in that moment as a dad? I just thought, wow, what? I am just so happy about that. I mean, I... It brought joy to my heart. To, and it was really, it was a proud moment for me as a dad to say, look what's going on in my son's heart, what God is doing in his life that he is giving, not because he's supposed to, he's giving because he wants to. He's giving cheerfully. And it's something that God loves. So I think, just like I could feel like a proud father, I imagine sometimes that when we give cheerfully, God in heaven is looking at us as a proud father as well. Right? So... It's a way really to just imagine that relationship with him, right? How, how that deepens our relationship with him when we can give the way he's asking us to and give cheerfully. The fifth item that we'd like to share would be this idea that true generosity is exhilarating and not connected to our current financial condition. In the first few verses of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we reveal the depth of generosity in the early Macedonian Christians. Macedonia would be like the northern area of Greece. And I have to admit, this particular section of scripture really touched me when I, when I grasped what was being said here. So let me just quickly read some of these verses, uh, beginning in uh, chapter, verse 1 of chapter 8. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely 
on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Wow, that, that really touched me. Because there are a lot of things we can see about these early Macedonian Christians. First of all, we're told that they were experiencing very severe trials and endured extreme poverty. But in spite of that, they had overflowing joy and rich generosity. We, we have trouble grasping that today. But consider the reality of that. They were suffering and poor, yet they were joy-filled and generous. The next thing we notice, Paul is telling us that they gave not only as much as they were able, but they gave beyond what they were able. Their generosity exceeded their immediate concern for their financial well-being because they knew how important generosity was and they knew God would provide. The next thing, and this is the part that I think touched me most. It says, and finally we see that they not only exercised their generosity entirely on their own, but they urgently pleaded for the privilege of the sacrificial giving. Imagine that. In the midst of their poverty, they were pleading for the privilege to be able to participate even more in this act of generosity. Can you imagine the power of that kind of generosity expressed in the name of the Lord? That kind of generosity will radically change any church, any individual. Can you envision the spiritual vitality that would flow from that kind of generosity? We would do well to see these Christians as generosity role models for us today, which actually is not too dissimilar from what we're seeing today. And the idea of the Christmas offering is a simple act of consistent generosity, sacrificing for those who have less. It's that kind of generosity that not only empowers us, but increases the spiritual vitality. And BCC understands that. And as you contribute and express that generosity, you are in fact moving God's kingdom forward. So it is good to see that there are some of these modern, some, some modern examples of generosity as well as what we saw in the Bible. And I think what you all do with the, the offerings of the first two weeks of December is just amazing as well. I mean, in a, what traditionally is a difficult month for a lot of churches because that's the Christmas month and all that. I know where giving tends to go down. And yet you all step forward and do something dramatic for the city in, in December. And I, I think that speaks very well of the church and, a, and another example of how you can really make a difference in the city and be, be seen, be visible as Jesus' hands and feet serving the poor. Um, number six, God is watching how we express our generosity. And it's, it's, it's already been in some of the things we've talked about, but I want to share another story. Luke 21, uh, verses 1 through 4 say this. As Jesus looked up, and just let me paint the picture a little bit. Jesus is standing in front of the temple, and he's watching people bring their offerings forward, right? So as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, and he's talking to the disciples. He's actually using this as a teaching moment for the disciples. And he's kind of saying, hey, look at this. This poor widow is put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. And I think it's really important to understand here that generosity 
as David said, or Dave said earlier, is an act of the heart. It's, it's an attitude. It's not about the math. Generosity is not about how much you give, actually. Some of us have been blessed with the ability to give more than others. But just because we do that doesn't mean we're more generous. You see, if a rich man makes a lot of money and he tithes, that's not necessarily being generous. If a poor person who struggles to get by and is, and is giving generously, that might be far more generous. So look at this example. These wealthy people were giving, and he says they gave out of their wealth, but this widow gave all that she had. What he's talking about is an attitude of the heart. You see, this widow had a complete faith and trust in her heavenly father. She knew that if she gave the last bit of money she had, that perhaps she would have otherwise bought a meal with that evening. She had a complete trust in her heavenly father, her dad in heaven. She had this complete trust that he would take care of her needs. Do you see the faith that connects her with God in that moment where Jesus said she put in more than all all the others? It wasn't about the math. It was about the attitude of the heart. But we see Jesus watching, right? So he's watching this. So again, here's God watching what's going on. Here's another story. In Acts 10, we read a story about Cornelius, who's a Roman soldier, and that God directed Peter to share the good news of Jesus with him. And in the passage, there's a very interesting statement in verse 2. It says this, Cornelius and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now, hold on. Here's God looking down at this, right? And how is he measuring Cornelius? He says, Cornelius were devout, and his family were devout and God-fearing. And then there's a semicolon. In other words, here's an explanation. And he says, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. You see, there's a test going on there. And literally, the verse says, this is how I'm proving that Cornelius and his family were faithful because they prayed and they were generous. Those two things were used as measures of their faith. Interesting, isn't it? Because when you say, wait a minute, how do I know what a believer looks like? And Jesus said, by your love you will know them, right? Well, what does that look like? Well, my love of God often is borne out through prayer. My love of people and my love of God being borne out towards other people is often expressed through, through generosity, right? So if Jesus said, what are the most important commandments? To love God and to love people, right? How do we do that? I love God and I talk to him. I have a relationship with him. And then I live that out by helping those around me, right? You see how it all comes together, this whole picture in scripture? So then in verse four, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius and said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Cornelius is giving to the poor. He's doing something very simple. And yet God actually receives that as a memorial offering. That's not what Cornelius was trying to do. But God says, I see it. I'm looking. I'm watching what you're doing. I see that. And I receive that myself. Mark was quoting out of Matthew 25 earlier. And he talked about the idea of when we um, uh, share with the poor, right? And Jesus is saying, as if you've done it for me. That's what God's saying. It's as if you did it for me. It's right out of the end of Matthew 25. You give a cup of cold water to someone in need in my name, it's as if you've done it for me. And that's what we're doing. So we're living that out. So it's interesting um, that, that God is really observing, no, no matter how, how large or how small, whether you brought a can of tuna fish or whether you brought 40 bags, right? God is observing our generosity. And as we said before, it's a characteristic of who God is. 
So God wants us to express that because it, it connects us with him. It makes us more like him. Another very familiar story uh, that Jesus used as a teaching point was the story of the Good Samaritan. And you'll remember uh, this, uh, this poor guy was traveling alone and he was robbed and beaten and left there by the side of the road. Uh, two religious guys came by and went on the other side of the road. But then it says in uh, Luke 10, it says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. It's a great teaching point that, uh, that Jesus made by using this particular story, but there are three very specific aspects of generosity that I think it may be easy to miss. And the first is that the Good Samaritan was generous with his time. He was a busy guy. He was on his way to wherever he was going, and yet he took time to generously give of the time during probably a point at which he was in a hurry to get to where he was going. Second thing, he took a risk and generously sacrificed his safety. The same people that beat up the guy could have been hiding behind the rocks, and when he got off of his donkey to help this, this poor uh, wounded man, he took a risk to sacrifice his safety. And then thirdly, he was generous in sacrificing his resources, not only to initially uh, pay for the man to be in a safe place, but if there's any additional expenses beyond that, I will take care of that. So we see in this very familiar parallel, uh, parable three specific ways in which this Samaritan um, was generous. And so that leads a question that I would like every one of us to consider. Actually, a series of questions. The first one is, how are we with our time? Are we being generous with our time? The busier we are, the harder it is to be generous with our time. But that's an incredibly important part of our spirit of generosity. And secondly, how about our comfort and safety? Are we willing to take risks and to be generous in that aspect of our lives? And then are we generous with our resources that God has given us? And that's something that I hope we can ask ourselves on an ongoing basis. Because as we talked earlier, everything we have was first given to us by the God who created it. Uh, we have an expression in our church that generosity grows God's kingdom. Which means God's people, as they become more generous, God's kingdom and our impact in pointing people to Jesus grows. Um, if you've ever been to Israel, which, by the way, if you haven't been to Israel, I hope you get a chance to go. I've been there four times, and it is such an incredible experience to be walking on the same soil that Jesus did a couple thousand years ago. But when you visit Israel, what you'll notice is there are two very significant bodies of water. There's the Sea of Galilee in the north, which is actually not much of a sea, it's a lake. And then there's the Dead Sea in the south. And the Jordan River starts at the very north, and it flows into the Sea of Galilee. 
And then in the south end, the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea actually is the lowest point on Earth. It's something like 630 um, feet below sea level. But what's interesting between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is the Sea of Galilee receives water and then it sends water out. The Dead Sea, because it's the lowest point on Earth, it receives water, but there is no place for the water to go. The contrast is rather significant because in the Sea of Galilee, because they are both receiving and giving, it is fresh water. The Israelis rely on it for their drinking water. It is pure, it is clean, it is refreshing. But the Dead Sea, because water goes in but nothing comes out, the only way water ever leaves the Dead Sea is through evaporation. But it leaves all of this crud and, and the, it, in fact, a lot of people call it a liquid garbage dump, essentially. Because things go into the Dead Sea, nothing ever comes out of it. And as I was over in Israel thinking of those two bodies of water, it was a picture of what can happen to us. As we gratefully receive and then generously pass on, we are refreshed, we are energized, we are clean, like the Sea of Galilee. But if all we do is receive and nothing ever goes out, we can become like the Dead Sea and our souls can begin to shrivel up, and our impact begins to diminish. And so I would just ask you to keep this as a picture in your mind of the difference between the generosity represented by the Sea of Galilee and the lack of generosity represented by the Dead Sea. See, when we live out the spirit of generosity and are approaching life with open hands, willing to share, we give God the opportunity to do incredible things through us. And wouldn't you hate to miss that? Because generosity grows God's kingdom. Let me ask a question. Who would you rather hang around with? Somebody who's generous or somebody who's stingy? Yeah, you're laughing, right? Because you know the answer. It's not a hard question, right? And yet Dave has just given us a picture of two different kinds of bodies of water, two different kinds of people, and I think all of us would say, gosh, I'd, I, of course I want to be a generous person. But what does that look like? Is that something we can intentionally move towards? So we wanted to leave you, because I, I honestly think that an ungenerous Christian should be an oxymoron. There should be no such thing. Right? Because as Dave said before, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And so if we're going to really express the love of Jesus Christ to our community, to our city, if that's who we're going to be, if we're going to be the ones living out the word among the people... We have to be generous people. So I'm going to give you two simple ways to do that this week. Number one is this, and I'm going to go back to Dave's example of the Good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan coming along and helping this, this poor guy who's beaten and left for dead, here's the thing that I know about this. If that man had no money and no resources, he would not have been able to help that person, would he? Not in the same way. He might have helped him and said he cared about him, but he really wouldn't have been able to help his practical needs. So there's an important sense here that our stewardship, the way we manage our things, has a dramatic impact on our ability to be generous with others. And if we are not managing our things well, if we're not able to save and put a little bit of money aside, then our capacity to help other people is diminished greatly. 
So, here's my challenge. Make sure you have an emergency fund. Make sure you have a rainy day fund. Recognizing that everything is God's and be able to, to put some of that away. If the Samaritan hadn't had that rainy day fund, he wouldn't be able to help that gentleman on the side of the road. Now, sometimes people are going, well, hold on. Save money. Like, I'm just trying to get by. I understand that. And BCC cares about your financial condition as well. Because it's part of who you are as a follower of Christ and being healthy. And so, if, if you all don't know Paula, Paula Wave, Paula Easton up here in the front, she runs all kinds of financial classes and trainings and Bible studies and things like that throughout the year to help become a better steward and understand how to manage things. And so if you think, hey, that's something I'd like to do, but I'm, I'm not sure how to do it, BCC has some opportunities for you. So think about how you can do that and, and begin to save and put money away. Mark said to just save a couple of pounds a week for December. I would challenge you actually and say, do that, but don't just do that. In other words, put aside a couple of pounds a week for that. That's terrific. But what if we did it all year? Well, instead of just for the last few months in autumn, what if we said, we're going to set aside several pounds a week, and I'm going to have, like in my family, we call it the Holy Spirit Fund, where if somebody comes to my, myself or my wife or comes before us and we recognize there's a need and we want to help them, we just know we've got this money set aside and we can do that. So that's a thought. That's the first thing. The second thing is more, not a financial thing at all, but actually one of more of our time. And Dave talked about being generous, not just because generosity is an attitude of the heart. It's not about the money. It's about who we are and our attitude. And so what if we could give our time differently? Look, I'm super busy. I have a lot going on. I receive hundreds of emails a day. You know, there's a lot happening. And one of the things that I personally am challenged with is how can I be generous with others? How can I be interruptible? Because when I look at Jesus and I read in the Bible, I see a man who never hurried. You know that? Jesus was never in a hurry. In fact, he was sometimes criticized by his friends for not moving fast enough, right? And so he, had an, he always took time to stop and visit with people when they had a need. And so here's my second challenge for you. Try doing this. Wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do, before you have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever it might be, just say, Lord, give me an opportunity to be generous with my time with somebody today. Would you present me with an opportunity to give my time to somebody today? It might just be a few minutes. But I bet he's going to give you an opportunity to share with somebody. It might be somebody at work. It might be somebody at school who just needs a, somebody to talk to for a few minutes. Maybe they're hurting about something or whatever, and you can be that person that they can talk to and be generous with your time and ultimately build a relationship there and share Jesus with somebody in a, in a very different way. So I think your generosity can make a difference if you look for it, both financially and also relationally. So um, let me close this in prayer, and then we'll turn it back over to Mark. Um, Father, we are grateful to be here today. We, we want to be your kids. We want you to be proud of us. Ultimately, Lord, when we get to heaven, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord, we know you're watching us. We know that, that you care about what we do. We want to honor you. We are grateful for who you are, for all that you blessed us with. And we want to use your resources to bless people in your name. And so, Father, help us to grow, to become more generous people. Not just obedient givers, but generous givers. We want to express your love to those around us. And Father, we want to be seen as a generous people and a generous church in our community. And so, Father, we ask you that you would use us that way. Father, bless everybody here this week. We pray that you would prosper them, that you would give us opportunities. 
to share with others around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.